Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Queen of Calm podcast. I'm your host, Paisley Haddan. So before we get started, I just want to take a quick moment to say thank you to everyone who has tuned into season two so far. I've been having so much fun recording my episodes with my new guests, and I'm so excited to be finally sharing them with you all. And to clarify on my release schedule, the Queen of Calm podcast will now be again available weekly. So every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern, you can hear a new episode of the Queen of Calm podcast. Head to your favorite podcast platform, set a notification, and be sure to tune in for new episodes. But in terms of today's episode, my theme is all about finding your target audience, which is something that us communications pros know a lot about. So a lot of buzzwords on the last season of the Queen of Calm were definitely adaptability and transparency because through the past few years of the pandemic, people were looking for that human connection and they looked to that through other ways. And that was through their marketing or communications that they came across and through influencers. And so as we've talked about on the show, TikTok became such a success because it kind of raised the curtain on people's lives. It wasn't about that glamorous shot that an influencer posted with a brand tagged and put like brand partner. It was more about watching influencers unpack their groceries or organize their bookshelf or see them go through a pregnancy journey or, you know, start a new job. It was all about having that connection with viewers. And so brands really capitalized on that. They partnered with these influencers to really integrate their products very well and have it fit into a brand's message while also staying true to the influencer's message. So, um, you know, something I've seen a lot in season two so far while talking to my guests is that in 2022, some top buzzwords in communications are going to be targeted and intentional. And so this ties back to our work with clients. So, you know, after this, these past few years, you know, trying to figure out this new normal and trying to fit our communication strategies into the new normal and everything that was going on with communications in terms of COVID, now it's all about putting those practices in motion. So, you know, whether it was a social issue that your brand took a stand on through a press release or a social media post, or it was, you know, you really solidifying yourself in a certain industry, you should be working with your clients to make sure that what they're putting out in terms of press releases and content really fits in with the brand message and that everything is cohesive. And so whether it's a pitch that's more intentional toward a journalist or it's a campaign that touches just the right um, group of people, it's definitely all about being intentional this upcoming year. And so this ties back to the industry insight that I was talking about last week. And so I asked you all on my Instagram story about what you thought about the newest M&M's campaign, which was, um, you know, presented toward Gen Z. And you all agreed with me and said that, no, this was not an effective campaign for Gen Z. And I totally agree. I mean, there needed to be much more research done into M&M strategy. And this just shows that brands need to be very intentional with who they're talking to in 2022. So for today's industry insights, one of the two things I want to talk about is the campaign behind HBO Max's Euphoria. So the other day I was listening to Jessica Zor's Gossip Girl podcast which is fabulous, by the way. Congratulations to Jessica. Um, But she had the creators of Gossip Girl, Josh and Stephanie, as her guests. And they were talking about how the stars, while on the show in 2007, thought that it was an overnight hit because they had been getting all of this attention while they were filming from fans and press opportunities and all that. But the showrunners shared that behind the scenes, they were battling cancellation. So they said the key to their success and to reaching six seasons of the show was their marketing budget, which is so interesting for us as communications professionals to talk about. So they said they funneled a lot of money into press trips, 
commercials, a professionally filmed special on the CW, which talked more about the actors themselves and the characters they played and trying to make that connection with audiences, as well as their iconic OMFG campaign. And if you're not familiar, um, the campaign was that they took posters on the side of the street and put billboards in New York and Los Angeles where there were a lot of tourists and entertainment professionals. And they shared a scandalous photo as a screen cap from the show, as well as a quote of parents leaving reviews about Gossip Girl Season 1, saying that they don't know if their kids should be watching this inappropriate show and that it's totally scandalous. And every single ad at the top had the tagline of OMFG. And so the showrunners were talking about how, you know, OMFG kind of made a lot of people mad. They said that you shouldn't be using that language in your marketing or advertising. And they always said that they kind of replied with, you know, how do you know OMFG means what you think it means? You know, you should watch the show and find out. And so a lot of people, you know, they they were driven by that curiosity to check out Gossip Girl and see what the show was about. And then they ended up liking it. And so that's why they're able to reach six successful seasons, now have a spinoff and have it be an iconic show on the CW. So linking this back to Euphoria, I've never seen any of the episodes of the show. And frankly, I don't think I'm interested in seeing any episodes of the show. <laughs> But from hearing chatter on social media and, of course, Zendaya's warning uh, social media post before season two, which I caught, as well as the viral video of the little girl, um, you know, asking Zendaya a question at the uh, screening that they did for season two and her saying it's for mature audiences only. I've definitely had this sense of I wonder if the show is really that bad. (laughs) So do you think the same communication strategy was used here? you know, using that shock factor to attract viewers. I mean, Euphoria, I've already seen that they're picked up for season two and everyone's talking about it. But a lot that I've seen on social media is, did you see that scene and check out this picture that they posted as a preview and, you know, that they're stepping up that shock factor. And so I'll be asking on my Instagram your thoughts on this and we'll chat on the next episode about that. But I also want to talk about something that you know I was going to talk about on the podcast, my man's retirement. And by my man's, I mean Tom Brady. (laughs) so you know what was that whole thing and what went wrong so I think we have to look at this through two lenses PR and marketing so starting with PR I mean you know it's it's such a big announcement and something that should have been done in a much more organized way you know both organizations should have been a part of it he should have been more thoughtful about his answer because really that was kind of like his big last you know effort with his fans because it is a very disappointing thing to see a quarterback that you followed for years and someone you've looked up to finally ending their career and it is a big hole in people's hearts you know on Sundays not being able to see him on the field so now he's really having to hone in on his own brand because he doesn't have the NFL to lean on and so not to be salty or anything but excluding the Patriots from his statement and you know kind of being weird about it on social media where it was kind of leaked which we'll never know what happened with that and then he retracted that statement and then to say, yes, I am retiring, only have the Buccaneers in his statement, um, you know, doing those weird Instagram stories where he kind of thanked everyone with kind of like a heart. Um, it just seemed very weird to me and not really in his main PR strategy, which we've seen his team be so successful with this year between the trade campaign with FTX crypto and, you know, his Brady brand um, PR. It just was a whole weird thing. But for more of the marketing side, I was reading an article from a marketing professor, and his name is Skip Pernum um, from Suffolk University. I want to say his name to give him credit. And he called this all TB12's marketing miss. And so he identified Tom's main three markets as New England, Tampa Bay, and Northern California, where he grew up. And so however successful he was in Tampa Bay or even where he grew up, 
he noted that Tom will forever be anchored to New England. So to now be working on a consumer-focused career with his work with TB12 Fitness and products, as well as the Brady brand clothing company, Perum believes that he must earn back his consumer base the organic way, and his retirement was a fumble, as he called it, which I thought was really clever, because he kept out his main market of New England out of his retirement post. And I agree, because, you know, being from New England myself and, you know, seeing how everyone reacts in the news and everything, we're fiercely loyal. And so once someone kind of turns their back on us, we turn turn our backs right away. So I feel like a lot of people, not myself, I gave Tom the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> but a lot of people in New England were like, yeah, I hate Tom Brady now, moving on, you know, moving on to someone else, moving on to Mac Jones, who's our quarterback for uh, the Patriots. You know, I have a question for all of you, too, which I'll be putting on my Instagram story. Do you think this was a marketing faux pas or was it part of the strategy? Because, you know, a lot of people have been saying that there will be an episode 10 of his ESPN series that will address Patriots fans directly, which I called that from the beginning, even before there was chatter about retirement. I was like, why is he doing the, the show where it kind of chronicles his whole career and then to have it end on nine episodes? No, no TV show ends on nine episodes, but to wait that long, he might be losing his fan, more of his fan base than he thought. So And so fitting perfectly with my guest today, who is a digital marketing strategist focused on ROI-driven marketing, she will add insight into being intentional with your marketing and all about her book, which is on ROI-driven marketing and a multi-location business structure, which is so interesting and definitely plays into what we were talking about with Tom Brady about being popular in all these different locations and having so many TB12 locations and people wanting to buy Brady brand and how he now has to work on his narrative and earn that consumer base back. So, and if you're not following us already on Instagram, follow us at Queen of Calm Podcast and on Twitter at Queen of Calm Pod. I'll be posting both of my industry insight listener questions on my story in a poll and I'll be sharing the results on next week's episode. My next guest is an award-winning digital marketing consultant who has a passion for ROI-driven marketing. Her work has caught the attention of ABC News as well as noteworthy podcasts, and I'm excited to have her here today. Please welcome Mary-Kate Spires to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So why don't we start out by how you got involved in communications? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually started as a public relations major. and No, that's a lie. I started as a... (laughs) political science uh, major in college. And I took one intro level class and immediately knew that was not for me. And there was something that always just kind of drew me to communications. And so I ended up switching over to public relations as a major. And I was really, really lucky my second semester of my freshman year in my intro to communications class, there was an opportunity for a internship and you got extra credit for applying. And I was obsessed with extra credit ever since I could remember. And so I applied um, and I actually ended up getting it and it was social media marketing. Um, and I, I worked with that person for the whole semester. And then I came back the next semester as a paid intern. And I actually worked there um, all throughout college doing social media marketing and digital marketing. And so it all just kind of happened because of some extra credit. Wow, that's awesome. And yeah, I feel like I hear so much that, you know, a lot of people don't set out to originally go after communications. They always find a certain way to, um, you know, get interested in it. So that's so interesting that you started on the uh, political science route. Yeah, yeah, I, I wanted to help people, um, which I think I still do. But I, <laughs> um, I needed a little bit more fun in my life. 
<laughs> so what was that time in college like, you know, refining your interest in communications and how did it kind of lead you to your career today? Yeah, um, I was really lucky. The person who I had an internship with, her name was Keely Say, um, and she was kind of a digital marketing. This was 10 years ago. So this was um, when digital marketing was still very much a new thing. Um, and she was kind of setting the way in, in our town. And I just was really lucky to be mentored by her. And she had gotten wind of um, HubSpot and inbound marketing and I joke that I drank the HubSpot Kool-Aid um, way back when. And so HubSpot and my HubSpot certifications is really what got me on my path to where I am today. Uh, I still work in the tool every single day. Um, and so that, and I really liked that type of marketing that was more about educating people and helping people instead of talking at them. I have a personal vendetta against billboards. Um, and so I really like targeted educational content to ha help answer people's questions. And of course, if you can get customers from that, even better. Definitely. And so you mentioned that digital marketing was just starting out 10 years ago. So, you know, how does digital marketing differ from regular marketing and what goes into a role in digital marketing if you're applying for a job? Yeah, um, gosh. A long time, uh, a long time ago, social media was the big thing, um, and it was very different. So Facebook, you could post something on Facebook and get in front of every single person who liked your page, and it was the golden time of Facebook, and you didn't have to worry about ads, and like you could run contests, and life was great, and you saw all this ROI from social media. Uh, it's not the case anymore. Um, but, um, one of the nice things about ads is you get to add that targeted approach. So I always, like I said, I have a personal vendetta against billboards and I compare it to Facebook ads because billboards, you're at the mercy of whoever is driving by and happens to look up or get stuck in traffic. And here's hoping they remember your name or your phone number or whatever. And now some billboards are good for like McDonald's when you're on the highway. <laughs> Those are totally fine. Um, but, you know, realtors, lawyers, like that's probably not the best use of their spend. But Facebook ads or display ads, even outside of Facebook, are almost the exact same thing, except you can choose demographics of who sees that. So it's much more targeted brand awareness. And that is really kind of what separates to me um, digital versus traditional is the hyper-targeting. You can track it better and you can change on a dime. I love being able to put something out there as a minimal viable concept. If it's not perfect, you can look at the data and adjust it. Once you put a billboard up or an ad in a magazine, you're at least stuck with it for a month. And so digital is a lot more nimble, which I love. Um, and Gosh, as far as doing digital today and a career with it, um, definitely the willingness to learn and being able to show that is a big thing, I think, um, because it's always changing. I mean, to this day, I can barely keep up with it and you kind of have to choose what you keep up with. And so being able, I, I have a business partner and I am when we hire people, we're always looking for personality above the knowledge because most digital marketing can be pretty easily taught. Um, different people think different ways, which makes certain parts of digital easier for others. But it's really about someone who's going to be responsive and really ready to dive in and care about the results of clients. Those are, that's what we look for. 
That's so interesting. And I love how you mentioned the aspect of, you know, making it more targeted because I've been talking with so many guests about their 2022 predictions for the communications industry. And everyone's been talking about being intentional. You know, what you're putting out there is more valuable because, you know, in the past with that social media, like you were saying with Facebook, you could pretty much do anything and people would kind of go after that. But now there's so much out there that you need to take into consideration. I mean, and I couldn't imagine keeping up with all the TikTok, digital marketing. I bet that changes daily as well. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, I am not on TikTok um, because <laughs> the clients that I work with, their target audiences are not on TikTok and I have absolutely no idea how to use it. And I'm very <laughs> worried for the day that I get a client where we need to be on TikTok. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's definitely like a puzzle to me because I feel like you put something out with a hashtag and it kind of goes into this big abyss of all these different videos. And now they're adding the keywords for like SEO purposes. So it's a completely different ball game. I feel like. Yeah, and I don't think it's going away. We we kind of dodged a bullet with Vine um, back in the day, <laughs> but I don't know. TikTok might be. I'm I'm really hoping that Instagram Reels just kind of take over, like <laughs> Vine did or like Instagram did for Vine, but. I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting to keep up with. (laughs) (laughs) So going back to talking about being targeted, what is ROI driven marketing? How does that play into the whole process? Yeah. So I've kind of coined this a little bit, but it's really about being intentional. So um, I actually hate spending money on marketing unless I'm pretty sure it's going to work. And so I love using research. You know, I just said target audience um, research and data to make strategic decisions to improve marketing ROI. So everything that I'm doing, I want to make sure that it's going to affect the bottom line in a positive way, or I'm at least testing in small amounts. So if it is a fit, failures aren't bad. You still learn something. So if it doesn't work, you can take that knowledge and apply it to the next thing without, you know, having done a huge campaign that costs millions of dollars. So that's really, I just, try again intentional I try to be intentional about um what we're spending money on and just making sure that it's the best use of everyone's resources yeah that's awesome because I feel like that research aspect is sometimes overlooked in kind of these big communications campaigns or marketing campaigns because you know everyone wants to look up for that big result you know what did we how much press did we get you know how much investment that we get returned on with ROI Um, And it's always about that big moment, but nobody really wants to go into the hard work sometimes and really, you know, put your head down and do all that research. So that's so interesting that you bring that up. Yeah, yeah. I really believe in, I actually just did it for a client. Um, I believe in pretty intense buyer research and competitive research before really doing much. Um, Of course, there's always small things you can fix, but, you know, it's just like TikTok, right? Like if, I'm working for a client and they think they need to be on TikTok and I just go with what they think, we're probably going to waste a lot of time and money if I didn't go talk to current, past, potential buyers and actually see what they, or learn what they're doing. You know, they might be on Instagram. They might not be on social media media at all. I mean, you know, it'd be great if we all had unlimited budgets like Coca-Cola and (laughs) who knows who else, McDonald's. Um, you know, we put up billboards everywhere, but that that's not the case. So we have to be good stewards of the marketing budget. And when you can prove ROI, you get more budget. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I love that part. And um, that's so true, you know, trying to, you know, make your worth with what you have. I mean, there's so many free tools out there. I feel like just from my podcast, I mean, I basically have like a small budget and I try to use all that they have out there, Instagram Reels, TikTok, you know, every feature on Instagram or Twitter. So it's so interesting what you can be doing with, you know, any type of budget. Absolutely. You can do a ton for free. I mean, and I love content because you, you really only invest in it once and it can live on forever in all sorts of different forms. Um, I have a client, I just wrote that I, I just actually published a book and I think I put this in my book. Um, we, this client I've been working with for a long time, I think five years ago, they wrote a blog to this day, that blog gets at least 10,000 views a month. And no one at the company can tell you how much we spent on that blog, but (laughs) every day it's bringing in loads of traffic. So it just builds on itself and it really can make a big difference. That's awesome. And yeah, speaking of your book, can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wish I um, had one. I just gave some out today, but I just last week published a blog on digital marketing specifically for multi-location businesses. So I have some experience in healthcare and senior living, um, managing multiple locations um, and different brands, which can be quite the feat um, and very difficult. And Lots of little locations have lots of little budgets. So you have to figure out how to manage that. And so a lot of these multi-location industries stay in their industry. Healthcare stays in the healthcare industry, sees what other healthcare people are doing. Same with automotive, all of it, restaurants. Um, but I found success thanks to my one client that I work with that's absolutely amazing. I have a fantastic point of content there who's a genius. Um, and he actually found an agency that I used to work at that really didn't have a lot of that industry experience, but they had a lot of experience in B2B, e-commerce, software as a service. And because of that fresh take, they were able to use what was working in those industries and bring it as a new thing in this industry. And so it kind of clicked for me that that's what multi-location businesses need to be doing. So I wrote a whole book about getting started with digital marketing when you're managing multi-locations. Um, and yeah, it's been really cool. I can't believe I did it, but it's out. <laughs> well, congratulations. That's so amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It was a feat of love. That's for sure. <laughs> it sounds like it. And that sounds like such an interesting, interesting topic because you know that is a big part of what goes into all these marketing campaigns and communications campaigns is focusing on that location, location, location. And so having those businesses with those multi-locations, I'm sure that was such a fulfilling project to go through all of that. Absolutely. I actually call it uh, localization at scale Um, that, you know, using the power of the collective to still have localized marketing. Um, But yeah, it it was great. It was really cool to, I actually brought some to that, to that client today. So that was a cool moment. Oh, that's awesome. And so, you know, speaking of writing a book and getting that experience in marketing, do you have any tips for college students who are studying marketing right now that want to enter the industry upon graduation and how they can stand out? Uh, internships, any experience possible, um, free or paid. Oh my gosh. I, I loved college. It was great. Nothing I do today. I learned in college. I learned it from on the job. Um, and then there, another thing that really, again, this was 10 years ago, so I apologize. But, um, one thing that helped me really stand out when I graduated was that experience, but also, um, certifications. So I had multiple HubSpot certifications, Google analytics, Google ads, um, Bing ads, I mean, anything I could get my hands on. So really just 
my advice is trying to find the information you aren't learning right now and, you know, see what else is out there, be able to have an intelligent conversation. I'm sure the next HubSpot is out there right now and being able to find that and get on board with it is a great way to, to show that you're willing to learn. I, like I said, especially in today's age, a lot of people are hiring based on personality and culture fit. And so it's not always what you actually know right now, but it's definitely about how hard you're going to work and what you're willing to learn. That's such a great tip you shared about getting those certifications. I really like that you mentioned that because it looks great on your LinkedIn and it's always so exciting to share with your network and also the internship factor as well. I totally agree with you on that. Um, You know, especially with our semi-virtual world we have, there's so many more opportunities out there for internships and people are looking for more help with the great resignation. So you might be able to even, you know, negotiate a way to get into marketing early on. But um, those are some great tips you shared. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone's begging for help right now. And if you can show some initiative and really, you know, be on top, uh, you know, a go-getter, being on top of it, being responsive, like I said before, it makes a really big difference um, in the working world today. And so speaking of the working world as well, you know, there's so many recent graduates that either graduated this past December or May, and they're really looking to get into marketing and find that great fit like you found with the work you do. Um, so what advice do you have once you get into the industry? Yeah, um, I have not had to apply for a job for a very long time, which I'm very <laughs> grateful for. Um, I was able to to go off on my own and be a consultant, but I, you know, I think you need to be happy where you're working. I think that's a huge thing, um, especially now with the great resignation, you have a lot of choices. Um, and, you know, again, always be learning, always, and I don't necessarily agree with the, you know, be the first to show up and the last to leave, but definitely be the hardest worker. Um, you know, get, get all this stuff done, be willing to, to help for more, um, you know, ask what else you can work on. I learned so much at my last real job because I just went with it. They asked me to do something and I figured I ran an entire print retainer. Um, I couldn't tell you anything about print when I started. And now I at least know how to run the ads. Um, and it's just, it just being willing to help people, both clients, if you're in a client facing in, um, job or your coworkers um, and, and your customers, it's just going to make a really big difference. I think having that almost service attitude is what's going to set you apart and what's going to keep you there. But on the same perspective. Like I said, definitely be happy. Don't work too much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Try to find a little bit of balance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I feel like that does translate to much better work because, you know, if you really enjoy what you're doing, you're definitely going to want to put your all into it. I mean, maybe not as much like you're saying, being the first to get there and the last to leave, but definitely wanting to put all of your effort into it. And that goes back to the research factor as well. I mean, I love the work that I'm doing. I work for PR agency and I find myself, you know, outside of work hours, sometimes looking up, you know, angles for clients or things I see in the media and have to go right down. So definitely that's a big part of it. And that's a great sign to know that you're actually enjoying what you're doing and you're happy. Um, You know, when you're, when you are home alone and you don't really have anything else to do and you just want to work because you enjoy it, like that's a great problem to have. Um, So definitely (laughs) And, and that was something that I went through um, about two years ago. I really had to sit down and decide because marketing is very, very broad. Um, 
work. <laughs> and so I had to decide what type of what type of marketing, what type of service was really giving me joy um, because I was feeling super burnout with some of my clients just because I wasn't enjoying what I was doing for them. And it made a huge difference and it's helped me find more clients that, I'm a, that are a better fit for me and vice versa. And so it's really good to kind of have those moments and make sure that you're enjoying what you're doing. Yeah, that's such a great point of finding the, that client, you know, client balance that you have of, you know, enjoying the client work and also not being too burnt out from them. Um, that's another great point you brought up as well, because I feel like, especially in communications, you know, there can be so many instances where we can work more hours or, you know, it's a very high stress environment. So it's definitely important to find that. I will say someone told me this in my last, at my agency job, and it's almost always true unless you're in crisis communication, there is no such thing as a marketing emergency. And so if you were not doctors, we're not surgeons. Um, and so if you're in a, if you're in a role where you feel like you have to be constantly on all the time, there, you probably need to kind of take a moment and, and step back because you, in this industry, you, sh unless you're in crisis PR, um, you should be able to take a beat and it'd be okay. I love that. <laughs> We're not doctors. I love that. <laughs> We're not. I mean, no one's no one's going to die from us not answering an email <laughs> until the morning. Again, crisis PR completely withstanding. Um, but yeah, we're not we're not saving lives. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking more about the industry as well. So have there been any brands out there to the public that you've seen that have had some really great digital marketing campaigns lately? Yeah, um, there has been. This is silly, um, but there I get I get inundated with Facebook ads, and because I click on all of them, it's it's ridiculous. I'm you think you would think I would know, um, but I and I actually saw this because they're hiring for social media, which makes me think of them. Um, but there's this company called Shine Shinesty, I think is how they say it, and it's literally boxers. Um, they have the funniest ads, social media. <laughs> It's amazing. They're currently hiring. I don't know them, but I did get the job sent to me. They're currently hiring a social media manager if anybody's uh, looking <laughs> for a job out there. But yeah, they're just, I love on social media when brands can just be real. Um, I think social media is a great place for people to put their hand, to let their hair down and really interact with their customers instead of just push again, just pushing out information. It's much more of a conversation. And so when you can get that personality and brand voice, I feel like, you know, people remember you. I knew when I had a friend send me that job listing and I knew immediately who it was because I've seen their Facebook ads and they're hilarious. And I get their, e I'm on their email newsletter too. It's so funny. Um, and so it's just, you know, it's, it's made, there's so much noise out there in digital right now. Everyone's trying to do it. Thankfully not everyone's doing it well yet. Uh, <laughs> so you're still able to stay ahead of people but it, more and more, it's going to be about having to figure out how to set yourself apart from all the noise because it's only going to get noisier. Um, and so, and that goes, you know, that goes back to your target audience. I guess I'm this box. I am, I'm married. So I, I did buy a pair for my husband. Um, so I'm, I'm this, this company's target audience. Um, and you know, they've got me on the hook. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I see so many uh, brands out there, you know, showing their personality nowadays, especially I was talking in another episode with a guest and we're talking about the Duolingo bird and how they're always commenting on everything on TikTok and Instagram and kind of having that brand voice. And, you know, it really makes brands, you know, recognize your brand like you were talking about with the job listing. 
Um, and, and actually a fail I saw the other day is that um, some company was having like an Instagram ad that came across like through the stories and they had uh, Madeline Petch, I don't, I don't know if that's how you pronounce her name, but from Riverdale and she was taking a selfie with a, with a phone case that they were selling, but they put Dua Lipa using our phone case. So completely missed the mark on that one. <laughs> so I just thought that was a funny fail that I saw the other day, which exactly. we're going to watch. <laughs> exactly. And like Wendy's, you know, was kind of the original brand to start trolling people for lack of a better word on Twitter. And how cool would it be, especially depending on what you're selling? Um, you know, if you're selling something like French fries or boxers, you get to have <laughs> a lot more fun than healthcare. Um, but how cool is that going to, is that to be one of the first to do something like that and really stand out, you know, a big part of digital is just thinking outside the box. And so I love that. I love my favorite thing. As much as I love digital, I do like traditional marketing too. Um, and my favorite thing is critiquing commercials. And a lot <laughs> of times I'll, you know, at the end of it, I'll be like, Oh, that was a great commercial. And I'll try to think of it later. And it was a great commercial. I have no idea who the company was that that had it. So you just kind of have to think of that, like how you're going to stay in people's brains, but still tie it to your brand. Yeah, that's so interesting, especially with the Super Bowl coming up. I I feel like that's one of the best parts of watching that is, you know, finding out the memorable ads and, you know, writing down who you thought was the best and then reading the coverage after to see what all the other uh, trade publications thought were the best. Yes, I never got to take the class because obviously it was only offered once a year, but <laughs> in my school, they actually, in the journalism school, they had a um, Super Bowl commercials class. And so they, wow. um, throughout the whole year, you know, they studied commercials and everything, but on Super Bowl, they went into class together, watched the Super Bowl and they like voted on their favorite ones and they would put out kind of like their research report on the, the best Super Bowl commercials. Well, I'd love to take that class if I could go back in time. Right? <laughs> that sounds so fun. That, that would be awesome. Um, well, Mary-Kate, I have one final question for you, and I ask this to all my guests. Um, but before I ask that, I always like to ask, are you familiar with Sophia Amoruso? Yes. So an inspiration to her, she's my favorite girl boss. I love to ask all my guests who their favorite girl boss is. So who is your favorite girl boss? And it can be more than one because we've had that in the past. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have been thinking about this to really bring it home. Um, and I think it's Serena Williams, because not only is she running a business, but and her husband is like, amazing. Um, she is freaking rock star on the tennis stage. I have, um, I used to coach tennis and play tennis back in the day. And so super inspiring. Um, I don't know, uh, if any of you watched the recent movie about them, but um, they're amazing. And just being able to kind of do whatever you set your mind to, that's incredible. And so I just, I love, she's like one of the only people I actually <laughs> follow on Instagram. And yeah, I think she's awesome. Yeah, she's definitely a girl boss. And talk about, you know, good commercials. She's always in the best commercials. Like I see her all I the time. I know that Subway commercial she's in is amazing. And the direct. <laughs> direct direct tv see i know these are good commercials because i know exactly what brands they are yeah yes. she's awesome highly recommend following her on instagram her daughter is adorable <laughs> yes and how her and her sister you know come up with their own tennis outfits that are so unique i love that too like the fashion aspect and they're taking over the yes. met gala they're just in every single industry and um i feel like when we talk about girl bosses on the show we always talk about like being able to pivot and do different things and so she's definitely on that route of you know pivoting and being everywhere and you know honing in on our brand Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love her. I am uh, very jealous of, of, about everything about her um, in a great way. 
<laughs> well, Mary Kate, thank you so much for coming on the show. And can you tell listeners where they can get your book? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the book is called On the Map, and it is available on Amazon, um, Kindle, paperback, and hardback. My website is marykatespires.com, and there's a link um, directly to that Amazon page in my navigation. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? Head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Want to drop us a line? Click the link in our Instagram bio to leave us a voicemail. And who knows, it might even end up on the show. See you next week for more tips and tricks of the trade.